okay, uh, offering up their thoughts and prayers for us, and also to, you know, stand by our side and say, you know, what's going on? I don't agree with what happened to you guys. Um, it's, it's messed up, but, you know, we're, we're praying for you. And it's really good to hear that. And I'm happy that uh, you guys can all join um, me together in witnessing what God is doing. Uh, today we're going over Psalm 42. Some of you read it. It doesn't seem like a happy psalm. Uh, and it's, it doesn't seem like a happy psalm because it's not a happy psalm, actually. It's actually it's a sad psalm. But I wanted to go over that for many reasons, which I will go over today. But uh, when we go into that first verse, it starts off by talking about a deer panting for water. Uh, some of you older folk know a song that's similar, or that uses this line, As the deer pants for the water, my soul longs after you which is the first line of this uh, song. It's sung and it's thought of as this romantic kind of thing. Um, we can sing it, we can think about it. As the, you know, that kind of thing. But if you really think about it, the picture of a deer panting is not a romantic picture. It's a pathetic picture. If you think about a cartoon character panting with its tongue sticking out, usually if I were thinking about a cartoon picture, I think of like a dog, and uh, the tongue is sticking out, you don't go, wow, that is such a good-looking, romantic, you know, stable, strong picture. It's, it's pathetic. The picture of a deer panting is a pathetic picture. It's a vulnerable picture because the deer is not self-sufficient in the desert, like a camel. Although camels are pretty ugly themselves, but um, when I went to the desert, we got to ride on these camels. I looked them in the face and they were, they were quite not good looking. They had really long eyelashes that we, we think is really pretty, but that all doesn't even make any difference when they're trying to bite your leg off. So we had this one very aggressive male camel trying to bite everyone's leg off because we were on top of, I guess, the female camels and he was jealous. Um, if you don't get why, then I think you'll learn later in school why, but that's okay. Um, but the deer is not self-sufficient like the camel. And the psalmist is opening up this psalm by saying, just as the deer pants for the water, I long for God. In verse 3, the psalmist continues to go on and says, My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why is the psalmist in such a vulnerable and pathetic state? It's because he, with all his faith, has placed his trust in God. He would rather die of thirst and be vulnerable than settle for anything less than God. So he is now in this place. I am vulnerable. I look pathetic. But even though I am this pathetic, I'm not going to settle for anything less than you, O God. And then he goes on to verse 4. And he says, these things, I'm going to remember these things as I pour out my soul. How I was in the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one. Shouts of joy, leading the people in praise. 
And when you think about it, he is remembering the faithfulness of God in the past. And this is where we are. Remember how he raised you up. What has he done for you? Remember. The psalmist is telling himself that and we ought to tell ourselves that too. First of all, we should not be dishonest about what we are going through. What we are going through is not a place where we're like, eh, everything's fine, we're going to be okay. We are in a place where we are saying to God, just as the psalmist is saying, God, this is pathetic, this is sad, and I long for you. Only you can make it right. You are the ultimate get here, and that is why I am here. And here in verse 4, we are saying, Remember what God has done for us. CGS was born on January 1st, 2017. It fell on the first day, fell on the first Sunday. So we were actually able to have our first service on the first day of the year. And we ended this year by installing four new deacons. One of the deacons isn't here right now because he just had a baby. And she has the biggest cheeks ever. You can't see her face because the cheeks are covering it up. And um, she was just so adorable. Usually newborns are very ugly. And I just had to force, uh, I'm just kidding. If I see your babies, they're very beautiful, guys. Um, but this baby was cute. Uh, had cheeks of like, man, those cheeks. Um, but he couldn't be here because uh, they're recovering from the birth that just happened a few days ago. Uh, the four deacons that we installed range from the youngest to ever be installed to now family members with children, which we never saw before in a deaconship. And we see that we are growing. Even in the span of a year, we're growing. We're growing by having people of different ages, genders, life stages, but what's the same is that we want to keep the unity of the church. They're not serving with a self-serving heart. They want to see what they can do to help the church. If we look at this past year, we had multiple people go on missions all around the world. Not just in CGS, but through other agencies like KCCC, through college mission trips. We saw people baptized, confirmed. We had baby baptisms. We went on mission trips to places we've never been to before, to the UK. We went to places that we've consistently gone on, to Japan. We went to the Philippines. And I'm not saying this to show off. I am saying this is to say, remember. Remember how good God was to us and how faithful He was to us. Because as we remember, we go on to verse 5. Verse 5, the psalmist says, Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed in me? In the ESV that Eugene read, talks about turmoil inside the heart. And then he says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise it, my Savior and my God. There is this tension and struggle within the Christian soul. Because in the Christian soul, we are 
called to live in eternity. Our minds are supposed to stay in God, but we are also here in this time where our mind and body are under pressures that we cannot control, that leave impressions on us that hurt us. And so we are in this dichotomic state where we say, I am actually downcast, I am in turmoil, and we are reminding ourselves, but put my hope, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my salvation, my Savior, my God. And here we come to what I believe is the pinnacle of the passage, deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. Before we get into that, I want to give you my first point. My first point is, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. Deep calls out to deep. Which means that we no longer are in shallow waters. We're in deep waters. We used to play, used to be comfortable, used to be nice, used to be warm. But now the psalmist is in the deep. He used to be in the temple. And in the temple, he was able to lead throngs of people into praise and worship. And it was really nice. It was awesome. And he remembers that. But now he's in a place of grieving. And number one, it's okay to grieve. I get it. A lot of us, I have seen so much encouragement. People have reached out from across the aisle, from people that I haven't even talked to in years. After they found out about what we're going through, CGS specifically, and they have messaged me, texted me, sent me emails, cacao talked me, saying that they are incredibly sad about what's going on, and they are offering up their thoughts and prayers, which I'm sharing with you because I want you to know these thoughts and prayers are also for you. But we are in the deep. I want to put this psalm next to another passage, and that's from John 11. In John 11, Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother dies, and he was in the tomb for four whole days by the time Jesus got to them. And Jesus was held up for whatever reason, but when Mary and Martha are there, they're mourning at this time. So this morning is taking a long time. It's not like, boom, he's dead. And, and they're not saying to each other, hey, you know what? Lazarus is in a better place. You know the worst thing that you can, I think, that you can say to someone who just lost someone is to just simply and not compassionately, not empathetically, go to that person and go, don't worry, they're in a better place. Time to be happy. That's not what the people of God do to other people. Do you know what they do? They actually grieve and they mourn. And it's part of a process and it's part of a healthy process. And I'm not just talking about the building, guys. We are talking about all of 2017. We remember the good, but we are not supposed to be people that only remember the euphoric, only remember the good, and sweep the bad and the hard times under the rug. That's not what we're called to do. What we are supposed to do is we remember everything. And some of us actually did lose loved ones 
this past year. And it's not just one or two of us. A number of us have. And we ought to mourn. And they were mourning. And by the time Martha came and saw Jesus, she goes to Jesus and he goes, Lord, if you were here, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, you have to understand the great turmoil that she is going through. The great downcastment of her soul that she is experiencing. If you were here, God, he would not have died. And then Jesus responds to her, your brother will rise again. And then Martha listens to that and she responds, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She is actually not saying, God, it's your fault. But she is saying that whatever you would have wanted can happen. And if you are here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus goes, your brother will rise again, she still says, I trust in you. I know that on the last day, it will be. So it's like almost as if Martha is telling herself, it's okay. He's in a better place. It's okay. The building is not the church. I get it. It's okay. And so Martha is telling herself that, and she says it to Jesus. But Jesus responds to her in a very interesting way. He doesn't go, you're right. He is in a better place. Jesus doesn't go, you're right. The building is not the church. He goes to her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then she responds, Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she responded, she brings out Mary, and Mary finally comes out, and she heard that Jesus was here. She, it says in the Bible, she rose quickly to come and meet Jesus. And then when Jesus had not yet even got into the village, he was with where Martha met her. Um, and then um, Mary went and went out. And then G Mary falls on Jesus' feet and says to him, same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and all the Jews who had also come out with her weeping, it says in the Bible that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. When he saw Martha and Mary grieving over their lost one, Jesus was greatly moved and troubled. This word, greatly moved, is hard to translate. And a lot of people have thought, it's not just a moving in his spirit, but when you look at it in context, there's a flood of emotions, but one emotion that is definitely there is anger. It's fury. And when Jesus saw Mary and Martha weeping, you see also there is anger. And a lot of scholars have thought about this. Why would Jesus be angry? 
You know, Jesus knew that he was going to go there and raise Lazarus again from the dead. He already knew that he was going to do that because that's why he was there. He's going to go, he's going to say, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Everybody knows this story, I hope. He goes, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And Lazarus comes out like a zombie because he still has like the bandages on him and there's a cloth over his face. And then it inspired a popular TV series, Walking Dead. But it's all there. Uh, everybody knows the story. But here is the precursor to that story. Jesus was upset. He was angered. And he was troubled. He also was in despair. Where have you laid him? And then verse 34 says, Lord, come and see. And the verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, is significant. It's, there's a reason why it's the shortest verse, and it should be the shortest verse, but it's the deepest, one of the deepest verses out there. And in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And everybody's trying to figure out why is Jesus angry? Why is he distressed? Why is he crying? And then people, are, people even the, the Jews there, so see how he loved them. See, it's because Jesus loves, loves, loved Lazarus. And other people are like, man, this guy who could have healed people, he opened the eyes of the blind. Mind you, that is the ultimate miracle at the time and even today. If you want to see an ultimate miracle, get a blind person and go, see. And if that person sees, that's the miracle. Other miracles people have done before in the past. But then here comes this man. And some guy doesn't even have eyeballs in his socket, and he puts mud in them. And all of a sudden, he can see again. People are like, that's never been done before. So now you have to see this picture. This guy who's been doing all these great miracles, he, can do, he can't even stop this man from dying. That's how powerful that miracle was, the seeing part. And Jesus was, so people are trying to figure out why. Why? But you see here in the Bible, even Jesus never says, this is why. So people have extrapolated from this, they have made commentaries, they have thought of reasons, multiple reasons. Perhaps Jesus was mad and he was troubled because of the lack of faith of people. Because he was there to save Lazarus and people were just sad. Instead of rejoicing about what was to come. And the answer to that is, Perhaps, perhaps. Or other people go, perhaps Jesus was angry and mad because he saw the sin and distress in the world, the despair. He was angry at death. He was angry at Satan. And the answer to that is, perhaps. Perhaps it's both. But is that the point? My big, I think the bigger question is, is that the point? Number two... Bring your grief to God. Deep calls out to deep. Means I believe the point of this passage as well as the point of Psalm 42 isn't to figure out the whys. The whys are there and will come. I do have faith. The whys will come. But number two, we ought to bring the grief to God. I think it's okay to be sad. I think it's okay to tell ourselves we lost something great and it's not just a building. And I think it's okay to say to, our, to tell ourselves that we've been wronged. This was a great wrong that was done. 
I think that's okay. I even think it's okay to be upset and angry. I do. Paul says, in your anger, don't sin. That's the hard part. For me, that's the hard part because in my anger, I'm likely to flip a table and just yell at my wife. No, she's not here today because she's sick. Because I yelled at her so much. No, I didn't. Uh, I think some of you believe me when I joke, but I'm really good to her. <laughs> so says the guy who's... Uh, anyway, but it's so hard not to be... Not to sin when you're angry. It really is. I get it. But anger is real. Anger is there. And I would always joke around, if you're a Korean man, the anger was inherited. <laughs> anyway, but, but seriously, anger is there. Um, but we are supposed to bring it to God. Bring it to God. Deep calls out to deep also means the deep things of our heart call out to the deep things of God. The picture deep was the same word that's used when they said there was in creation, when there was deep, there was nothing, there's nothing in creation, but God was there hovering over the waters, the deep of the waters. Do you remember that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2? It was deep, there was nothing there, no one understood it, but God was there hovering. God is there in the deep. And when we say deep calls to deep, we're saying the deep things that we cannot possibly fathom to control or even understand fully. I know it's just a building. I know that they're in a better place. I know these things, but my soul is grieving. And I need someone to meet me there. And God is saying, you can meet me there and I will see you there. Jesus goes and he weeps because he meets us where we are. He doesn't go to them and go, look, he's in a better place. He doesn't go to them and go, it's just a building. It's just a building. It's just your things. He's going to make you better. Don't worry about it. He meets us there and he grieves with us and he weeps. But that's the beautiful thing about God when we believe that deep calls out to deep. Because in the deep, the deep is immense. I can try to explain it, but you and I both know we won't understand fully exactly what's going on. How can I even bring it out into words? It's immense. The deep is powerful. It's powerful meaning, man, like the waves would come over people, like we see in the song, sometimes we can't control, control, like even this mic, we can't control what's going on. It's too powerful. It's immense. It's powerful. It's frightening. It's scary. We're here, and if you feel scared, if you're frightened, that's what you should be feeling. I think so. I think so. If you're not frightened, then I wonder, why not? Are you not in the deep with the rest of us? Number four, it's beautiful. The deep is immense. The deep is powerful. The deep is frightening. The deep is beautiful. Because we don't fully understand it, but we understand this. 
there are things that we don't get and things that we have to submit to. And so we submit to God. The psalmist continues to talk and sing and proclaim, you know what my song will be, my declaration will be, my confession is that by day you will direct me in your love and by night when I can't see what I'm going to hear is your songs of love that's the faith that he has and that's the faith that he is proclaiming and that's the faith we should adopt you know where we are a lot of us grew up in a church a lot of us grew up in 18 Essex and I'm not telling you and I will never tell you this it's just the building get over it I will never say that to you I will say that your parents, if you grew up in the church, your parents poured out their blood, their sweat, their tears into making that building a home of worship. And it's incredibly sad that it's lost. And I don't know if you'll ever get it back again. I don't know. I don't know even if we should expect it. I don't know. But what the honest truth is, is that it is a deep for us. And I hope that in this deep that we are together. And we like the psalmist will say, I will settle for nothing less than God. Before Jesus goes and meets Mary and Martha, he says this, I am gonna go for the glory of God to be revealed and the Son will be glorified through it. I'm going to go for the glory of God to be revealed. And what that means is that when he goes out to meet them, he knows one thing. Not so that God is glorified. Those are different things. For the glory of God to be revealed, God being glorified are two different things. That's why he says it separately. The Son will be glorified, but the glory of God will be revealed. The glory of God being revealed is God moving, which is point number three, my last point. So point number one was it's okay to grieve. Point number two, bring your grief to God. Point number three, watch God move. Watch God move. Deep calls out to deep and God answers. By day the Lord directs his love and his night song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. Jesus comes down to this earth and he goes, Blessed are those who mourn, who grieve, for they will be comforted. Who comforts those that are mourning, that are grieving? It's God. The reason why I particularly love the song that we sang, and I'm going to ask the praise team to, instead of doing what was planned, they do this song one more time. Uh, and I share this often, whenever I can, the song Overcome that we sang was in a church when they were going through a really dark and deep time. In fact, I don't think we can compare, but a shooter came, some people died, and they were really in this place of despair, in this place of what the enemy would try to put as hopelessness. But instead of hopelessness and darkness reigning, they came out with the song. 
and the song was called Overcome. We will overcome. And they continue to declare it. But don't you see this overcome, this rejoicing that is done, the tune isn't this happy, giddy tune. It's not. It's actually almost a melancholy tune. And it's a sad tune. And um, it's, a, it's a tune where you just have to belt it out. You just have to cry out to God. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. We will overcome. Some of us, we have lost things this past year that was near and dear to us, that was personal to us. It was our loved one. It was certain things that we would have maybe poured out our life energy into and that was taken away from us. Some of us, it's time. Some of us feel like we're getting older. Some of us got injured. All these things, I am saying, when we, do all, when we go through it all, it's important and healthy for us to grieve. But when we grieve, we bring it to God. Jesus comes. Mary and Martha ran to meet Him. We also as a church run to meet Jesus in worship. That's why I'm so happy that you're here. That's why it's okay when I say let's turn to the person next to us who's so good looking. You are good looking. Because in your eyes, in the reflection, I see Jesus. And you are better looking than you'll ever realize. Because as you continue to look at Jesus, you know what happens? You know how when they always go, oh, this married couple look, looks alike and all that stuff? I always thought that was garbage. But then I saw some pictures of an owner and their dog, and they look exactly like it. They are. Right, there's something to this. When you continue to look at something, you know your facial expression also changes. The way that person smiles, you start to also imitate and smile like them. The way they cry, you also kind of like cry like them. Or even their facial expressions, we start imitating and mimicking it. As we continue to seek and search the face of Jesus, guess what we turn out to look like as time goes on. And so when I look in your faces, as we continue to look toward Jesus, holding on to the promise saying, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Who are we looking to? Who will we settle for nothing less than? And our faces change. For we will be comforted. Jesus will come. He will save. But until then, I pray that you can also take on the path that Mary and Martha did and lift up your grief to the Lord. The promise that I hold on to is that as deep calls out to deep, God answers. Watch God move isn't for me to show you, oh look, this is it. Watch God move is for me to say, no, this is just the beginning. Watch God move. Watch God. Look at God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the word that you've given.